Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, we're in a study of the book of Ecclesiastes. Lose Yourself is a call to discipleship as a program, and this book fits perfectly because it shows the perspective of a human being at the height of his intellectual capacity, still falls short, and is in need of godly purpose and godly instructions in his life. I think it's interesting how as we progress in our life, we gain abilities, we gain intellect, we even gain money and status. And in many cases, those blessings can make our spiritual lives more difficult, not easier. How many times have we said, if I could just reach this financial plateau, if I could just finish my education, if I could just get my career on track, I'd get serious about going to church, I'd get serious about my faith. In this book, Solomon will demonstrate to us the fallacies of that perspective because here is someone who is overseeing Israel in a rare time of stability where he has unparalleled wealth, prominence, intelligence, all of the things we strive for as human beings, and he renders them meaningless. Today, we look at chapter two, and we're going to look at how even Solomon experiences temptation and disillusionment in the things that we think are going to fill us up. Starting in chapter two, going verse one through verse 11, he said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what is good for the children of men to do under the heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works, I built houses, and I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female servants, and I had servants who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all of my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expanded in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Well, friend, this is a lot to take in. And the rawness of this book, like David, Solomon gives us 
no filter. He makes no apologies, no excuses, and he gives us a raw look at the state of humanity. In so doing, we're able to identify with him, but also learn from him that if a person in these circumstances still struggles, still needs God, we ourselves should not be embarrassed or disappointed when we in turn also need God as well. Let's look back at the first few verses. He talked about testing himself with pleasure. Again, with the context of this, Solomon has been granted supernatural wisdom from God. This is someone whose wisdom is even appreciated and respected by secular scholars, is seen as a case study in wisdom literature. Though he has all of these amazing abilities, he's not satisfied. Isn't that how our life is, friends? We are rarely satisfied. When I speak to people, they are often difficult to satisfy. They're seeking that elusive goal, and once they catch that goal, they're off to the next one. For example, I've heard from people who make their first million or athletes who win a gold medal, musicians who go to number one or win a Grammy. They always say the day after is kind of a sad day. They celebrated the night before, they experienced the euphoria and a job well done, only to wake up the next morning and say, now what? Now, friend, that is not to say that we don't pursue things. Our gifts do not need to go unutilized. But again, it's about the purpose that gives meaning to our pursuits as opposed to just pursuing them for the sake of self-gratification and self-exaltation. Solomon has so much going for him, but he is unsatisfied, so he turns to pleasure. In popular culture, how many times have we seen this story unfold time after time after time? As people become rich or famous or important, they enjoy, in their words, the spoils of their work and their labor. And in so doing, Solomon admits in this, he says he pursued pleasure, he pursued laughter, he pursued wine and partying, if you will. He accumulated wealth, and he pursued materialism. This looks like any expose on a famous person that we have seen in media for years. They dive in, and they want to experience everything there is to do in life. And these are usually done with selfish motives. And when you hear the words that he uses, I hear those echoes in the words of the people that we hear even to this day. He talks about the pursuit of even of wine and laughter and pleasure. In popular culture, you'll often hear people say, well, you only go around once. You've got to grab all the gusto. You've got to get what you can get in this life. And there's that fear of missing out that is pervasive in our culture. Our perception is everyone else is having a great time while we're trying to be faithful or we're trying to be responsible and our noses get rubbed in their success or their exploits. And friend, it is a vapor. It is a mirage. It's not based in reality. And we see with Solomon, he admits that. And so again, we see the first parts talking about pleasure, laughter, amusement, if you will, wine and partying. And then he moves on to building houses and vineyards and parks and planted trees. This would be speaking to the person who surrounds themselves with the arts and culture and sophistication, that that's going to somehow fill the void and bring them satisfaction. And he even says of those exploits that he found them dissatisfying. Also, he mentioned the accumulation of wealth. He gathered silver and gold and servants, and he talked about 
singers and companionship. These are all status symbols. These are all signs of wealth that many of us would pursue as well. How many times have we seen someone become wealthy and what is the first thing that they buy? They buy a large house. They buy a great car. They start dressing themselves in the finest things in life. And again, it's not so much that we're to be martyrs. I find that people who do that without the purpose that comes from Christ oftentimes find themselves fussy, irritable. And it seems in many times with the materialistic worldview that the people that should be the most grateful, the most put together, and the most happy are often the most miserable. I've often mused that it always seems that rich people are in therapy. You would think that people that don't have anything would be in therapy and that the rich people would be happy, but it seems the more we are blessed, the more discontented we become. In fact, I believe that one of the reasons that exists is when you don't have things, you can at least lean on the dream or the mirage that that is going to fill your life with the purpose that you crave. But when you have those things and you still feel empty and dissatisfied, in some ways that is a very difficult and disillusioning experience because you know that that will not fill you up and you're thinking to yourself, now what do I do? It mentions other vices and lifestyles that are obviously not conducive to a biblical worldview and unbecoming of him. And we should learn in Solomon for all of his wisdom fell into the same trappings and the same problems that much lesser men have fallen into as well. In verse 9, what's interesting to me, it says, he'd surpassed all the men before him, but yet his wisdom remained with him. So he can't blame lapse of reason, impairment of his ability or his judgment. He did these things with clear eyes and intentionality. He says, whatever his eyes desired, he did not restrain himself in any regard. And that hedonistic impulse, it is something that entices people every day. And it seems that even Solomon found himself in the throes of that. And then finally in verse 11, and then I considered all my hands had done and the toil had expanded in doing it. And behold, it was all vanity and striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This first 11 verses of chapter 2 represents a checklist of everything that we pursue in this life. It represents money, physical pleasure, laughter, wine, materialism, status, culture. These are all things that seem to get in our way when we're trying to seek God in our life. And if those things are not doing that, it's the pursuit of those things that can sometimes be as damaging as actually the idolatry of making them the be-all, end-all of our life. So Solomon has moved from the wisdom and the toil to self-indulgence and pleasure, and he is now finding himself still empty. Friend, I share this with you today because this is where the discipleship path is so important. Lose Yourself asks you to begin your discipleship journey. The word disciple, it sounds super spiritual, it sounds pious or haughty, but the only thing it means is a disciple is someone who's a student of God's word, someone who's walking day by day to be closer to God, to be more like Christ in their actions, not by their own power, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
And friend, you cannot do that unless you are of faith. Someone who is not a Christian cannot be a disciple. So my first step for you today, my friend, is to come to faith. If you're chasing all of these things today, lay it down. Move past it. If someone like Solomon cannot reconcile these things and cannot find his fulfillment in them, then neither can we. Ecclesiastes sternly tells us that our identity and our purpose can only come from God. Any other idol or goal is going to leave us feeling defeated and unsatisfied. And so first you must come to faith, but then, friend, then you must begin your study and your journey, finding a good church, sitting under good teaching, Bible study, prayer, seeking God. Friend, God is right there. He can not only change your eternal condition, which is sinful and separated from God, and bring you into adoption into his kingdom. He can begin to change your appetites. He can begin to change your passions and help you emulate Christ in your life and give you purpose and hope. That, my friend, is what's going to begin you on your path of being a disciple that can maybe grow into your faith, live a life of purpose, and in turn maybe make some disciples eventually when it's your turn to invest in others. Friend, I've seen God transform people's lives. I've seen him take hopeless people into hope. I've seen him take people who are just stuck in their personal life, miserable, disillusioned, and I've seen God give them joy which again, happiness is circumstantial. Joy only comes from God. Friend, I hope you'll embrace faith today. I hope you'll embrace joy today that God can give you, that you will turn away from silly self-indulgence and then begin your path of discipleship that will lead you to a life of hope and purpose that you can then inspire others and bring them to faith as well. Friend, we are out of time. I'm so glad you could join me today, and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.